Uh, just a big thank you to all our sponsors out there that are looking after us. Firstly, TikTok Nutrition. They are coming up with new meals every week. It's unreal and they're delivering to more and more places. Go to the website, put in your postcode, and they'll tell you where they deliver. $20 off your first order over $100 with code word FLOG at checkout. And fuck the tax, man, for all your fishing apparel. The best there is getting around, not just fishing shirts, uh, everyday shirts. Get some for you and your mates. And at checkout, use FLOGS for 15% off. Get around him. And if you want a hat, go to Seed Knuckles at Country Trucker Caps. Go and check them out. And you use code word FLOG, all capitals, F-L-O-G, at checkout for a nice little discount so he knows where we're coming from. <laughs> and, of course, Labrakes. Head to Mates Mode there. Sign up. Through their app, use two flogs, all capitals, one word, to join us in mates mode. Great little community there. If you're going to bet, bet with Ladbrokes. You. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Squash beef, patty, buster sauce, melted cheese, grilled onions, and a proper burnt bun. Burgers with Buster. Welcome to Burger with the Buster, where we talk about mental health, comedy, all things in life. We interview celebrity comedians, everyday people. Everyone gets a bit of a voice on this show, so thank you for tuning in. Today, the one and only Northern Rivers comedian, Mandy Nolan. Hello. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> nice to see you. Oh, I stepped in your foot. I stepped. All right, don't worry. Don't step on people's feet. Wow. 160 kilos on your left boot. There you go. That's okay. Uh, I can take it. I'm a big girl. Yeah. Uh, this looks great. It is. It's a setup. So. Yeah. We basically cook you a burger. Yeah. We talk about all things Mandy. Um, we try not to talk about Buster because I, I start talking all <laughs> things Buster real quick. So we'll have to stop that. But basically, I make, I make you a burger. Yeah. We have a yarn about your inner thoughts and where you're from and your background and okay. your comedy life and, and yep. your personal life, whatever you want to talk about. And the show is basically getting the message out there to mental health is to have a sit down with a friend, have a feed and, 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 and just shoot the shit. All right, we're good at that. We're good at that. I'm glad you said inner thoughts because for a minute I thought you were going to say inner thighs and I went, <laughs> yeah. I, just I just don't feel that's relevant to the <laughs> mental health conversation. We, we won't be talking about thighs, <laughs> no. It's both. All so, right. I, know, I know you. I don't know you that well, but I've known you for three or four years, but I, I don't know too much of your background and how you got into comedy and how you dealt with the early days and stuff like that. So, tell me about me. Where, where, are, you, where are you from? What, what did you... Well, I'm... Ironically, I'm from... Ironically, in the sense that um, I'm a country girl. I come from a great town called Wandai 
in southeast Queensland. I went. I was born in Kingaroy, Joby Oki Peterson country. You're a Queenslander. I'm an absolute Queenslander. Well, there you go. I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm. I'm. I'm a. You can't get much more Queensland than growing up in Kingaroy. So we we grew up in National Party heartland, and when I was growing up, for some, my my grandfather was a communist. My family, poor working class as shit, right? Yep. They're, you know, really on the bones of their ass. And very much, um, we were about the only Labor voting people we In knew. Town. No, ever, that we oh, ever really? met. Like, yep. and it was always told, don't tell anyone who you vote for. <laughs> yeah. Don't tell anyone because you'll get bashed at school. Because I'd seen, you know, <laughs> you don't have those conversations. So I grew up in a really... I loved where I grew up. I had great relationships with across my community. I knew deep down, even as a child, that my the way I approached life and saw things was really different. Yeah. So, and you know, I had, you know, my upbringing was very, you know, I had the classic. You know, my mum was nineteen when she got married because she was pregnant in a caftan. My dad. Um, died when he was 30 in a car accident. I was about six. Uh, He had horrendous alcohol issues. So died drunk at the wheel. Um, And it was, you know, and that released me as a child. Um, So I've given you a big sway. I've gone in fast. So you've gone in hard. I like it. So, uh, So dad was a communist. No, my dad wasn't. My grandfather. Sorry, sorry your my mother's was father. Your mother's father was a communist, and, and, your, and your mother and father were Labor voters. My father's father was a fucking weirdo. Uh, <laughs> he locked himself, and I shouldn't say that, but <laughs> I feel bad now because he, he he just absolutely, um, I think, affected every everyone. Was you know, you see how the mental health thing goes in the family. Yeah. Like we have massive mental health issues, mainly anxiety, OCD, and massive depression yep. across both sides of the family. And on that side, he locked himself in the room, his room, for six weeks. When and when it for, like, and when it came out, he never spoke again. Right, and he he what? didn't speak for forty years. Like, what? and to my grandmother at all. When he did actually, he did actually say something. So I, I thought he was the gardener. I didn't even know that he was my my grandfather because he didn't wow. speak to me. Um, so he didn't, he didn't speak at all to anyone? Like, he didn't murmur well, things? He and... didn't murmur. He occasionally <laughs> he never spoke to my grandmother wow. until he got dementia and forgot he hadn't spoken for 40 years. And he said something. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Yeah, it was a bit weird. But she... Um, so he, he would call my dad. He wouldn't use people's... Yeah, if he did speak to you, he didn't say, hello, goodbye, use your name, or use anything personal. So my dad, it was no wonder he grew up so, because he was a really beautiful, warm man. Yep. But, there, but he was a real Jekyll and Hyde. And his dad called him Boy. That was that was it. It was a really kind of a... I've got an uncle Boy in my family from that you, generation. Have you? Yeah, yeah. They, they, he's, he's passed and he was a World War II vet, but he, he was Boy. Yeah, it's awful. Yeah. Like, it was really... And, and I think then we didn't realise that he had a mental health issue. We just thought he was an asshole. Yes. Right? And that was really sad because he never got any help. He got diagnosed with the... Eventually, uh, when he was in his late 70s, it's the worst clinical depression the doctor had ever seen. <laughs> and they'd never... No one no heard one, of it. No one had ever heard of it. No one ever heard of it. And it was really true. We, you kind of adjusted in your family, but be, because of the way he interacted with his family... Yeah. Well, that's why my dad never... My dad died at 30 because he was... the. 
And he I thought his dad was a dickhead. Well, yeah, it was generational yeah. trauma because yeah. you kind of an act of trauma. A person who's trauma... I didn't actually ever know what happened to him. He didn't go to the war or anything because he had flat feet. Right? Yeah, like, so. um, but I do remember one... Can't get shot at because he got flat feet. Yeah, I was watching my grandmother... Because um, my grandmother was... I, I, I used to go there all the time. And my grandmother was your real kind of ivy. She was the real... She was the big talker. And they had this weird routine where she'd have a... Um, I don't know, I guess she'd she'd make food and he'd come and eat and then he'd leave so they never had to sit together. But they had really? this life, he'd made a cave. But you can't divorce back then. Roll this. <laughs> no, she'd go, I'll tell you one thing. She goes, not like people today, I have stuck at <laughs> yeah, my marriage. Exactly. And, yeah. I, and I'd say to her, and how's that gone for you? She goes, well, actually, not very good. Yeah, uh, yeah, <laughs> Like, you see these old people. Like, I'm from a country town. Like, you see these old people who fucking hate each other. Yeah, I know. They hate each other. And you're like, they're in their 80s and 90s. You're like, hey, you know, she's fucked. You're like, why are they together? Well, like, you, you, couldn't, you couldn't believe it. So this one time, this is just one of the many times, and she's, I saw, I saw her, the only time I ever saw her snap, right, yeah. she's, I'm about probably seven or eight, and, you know, it's probably the year after my dad's died. I'm a bit of a strange child by this stage, in the beginning of developing my own mental health issues. And... I see she's making something and he's sitting down because he's, he's got his garden hat on. He's sitting there having his dinner and she's, she goes to me, would you like a juice, love? And she goes to put, you know, those big cartons of juice. She goes to yeah. pour me a juice. Yeah. And I go, yes, nanny. And then, she, and then she goes to pour it and then she just lifts her hand over where he's sitting. She goes, whoops. Oh, and drink. then she tips the whole, you know, the big orchy thing onto his hat. And it's just, and she just does, oh, she keeps going, oops. Did he flinch? No, he just sat there like this, eating. And the juice is running down here like that. He doesn't move. He just takes this, eats like that. The juice keeps coming. It's like orange rain. So it was like a standoff. Oh, my God. And then I just, and he finished, rolled his cigarette, That's had his cup of tea, incredible. went outside, and I just went, holy hell. Even as a child, I yeah. went, I knew. That's bad. That was deeply fucked That's up. That's fucked up. <laughs> That's some fucked up shit. So you... <laughs> I mean, these people have passive aggression down to, like, a fine art. Like yeah. It. But she, um, yeah, so she was pretty tough. So if you didn't do things, like, as a kid, I'd trail around after her and remember once asking the, the fruit and veg guy to cut the pumpkin in half. And yep. he goes, no, you've got to take the whole pumpkin. And my grandmother just turns and goes, well, you can take your pumpkin and you can <laughs> shove it up your ass. <laughs> and that's, your name sounds cool. That's the genteel kind of people. They didn't go to, can you imagine? Yep. They didn't go to therapists. No, they just <laughs> gave it to everyone around. They, no, they just, they, they, it wasn't, it was kind of, I don't know. I don't know if she could have had inside. It was kind of not in that. Yeah. It wasn't within her toolbox. But growing up at the time when when my dad died with me, and that's when I got. I should. That, that's when I fully. Um, we have major OCD because we're doing the mental health thing in our family. Yep. So that's when <laughs> I've got the fucking fucked up the story that involves my brother. I don't want to cook the meat yet. No, you can cook I it. Well, you want to cook it. <laughs> it is. You can cook it because it's fine. Um, well, you don't know. And now I know. I only realise my son, um, you know, various kids of mine have had mental health issues around pretty profound anxiety, not just mild ones, extreme. Yeah. Yeah. And my son has really high achiever but has massive OCD which is around 
people have these real ideas that OCD is like, you know, tidying things up. And I my head when you yeah. when you're saying OCD, yeah. I'm thinking he wouldn't like this being crooked. No, he, he wants the thing being. No, so, he doesn't so, care about that. Okay. So his OCD is not about that. His OCD, which mine was too, is around intrusive thinking. It's um, which is actually one of the most misunderstood things about OCD is that as an obsessive compulsive disorder, there's many ways of presentation yep. um, about um, about what you what happens. So people that get intrusive thinking get um, it's a constant barrage of uncontrollable and usually really disturbing horrendous thoughts um, that you're going to kill someone that you're going to and you cannot stop it it goes at, or um, like my son would get one about that he's going to stop breathing he can't breathe and he would focus, and this would go it was like a rolling panic attack yeah it would go for a year and a half <gasps> um, um, and it, it, you have to go you have to disrupt the thought right? yeah anyway so when that was happening it had happened various times as to him as a kid and I eventually went to his child psychologist she's like a psychiatrist actually I don't really like psychologists. Um, I just argue with them. What you... <laughs> yes. I, I was always smarter than them, so yeah. I went, I better go somewhere yeah. else. Yes, um, So, um, not all of them, but most of them. Um, and I went to, could have been heaps. And I told the story to the psychiatrist. And I said, oh, he asked about family history. And I told him my story. And he goes, oh, you definitely. Because well, I kind of grew out of mine. Yep. But this is, so obviously I came through... Pretty full on domestic violence. Um, you know, I've seen chairs go through walls. I've seen, you know, I've been locked in them. Pretty full on stuff. Yep. In my head, I thought, because I thought, if I thought I was, I said, if I'm important, this won't go on. Yes. So when my father died, even though I loved him, I went, that's a sign. Okay. I, I'm, it's game on. It's game on. So right. you became Mandy. Well, yeah, I went, okay, this is going to get better from now. So then I end up getting this weird thing, right? where I became obsessed, this is the OCD, but this, no one ever knew about this at the time, for about two years, from about the age of seven to about nine, I was obsessed that my brother's penis would get ripped off, right? So, I'm sorry, I shouldn't lie. I know. Well, this you is can't this yeah. weird. This, so this and, is OCD? Yeah, so this is the intrusive thinking, Crazy. right, as a child. So he was, he would have been one, and I'd never... I'd never seen a penis before. I remember seeing it and going, that is ridiculous. That is gonna get that's gonna get stuck in the I've had a lot of women look at me and go, that is ridiculous. I know. I, I'm very relatable with the penis and ridiculous thing in my yeah. life. Well I thought he's gonna get that penis, you know, he could cut it off with scissors, a bird could come down and take it, he might get a truck, a bike, he could get it in the bike chain. Um, yeah. So what I This was I, your intrusive thoughts. Yeah, constant okay, thinking. And all I could do as a child was, all I thought of was violent castration, images of how my brother was going to lose his cock. Wow. He was only little. So my job was to guard his penis. And I guarded his penis <laughs> for two years. Anyway, um, <clears throat> I had forgotten <laughs> about the penis guarding period where... Yeah, you would, grew out of it. Yeah, well, people, I could grow out of it, thankfully, and he did keep his penis. Um, <laughs> to this day, he has a penis? To this day, he has it. That's so fantastic. So I decided... Bit drunk at his wedding, right? I think. <laughs> Did you tell everyone? I told the story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It didn't go over as planned. Didn't it? Uh, well, people were going like, this is a bit weird. Because <laughs> like, it's not sexual, it was a protection. Mad comedian sister to put a penis. And he's got a penis today to take him to this marriage because of me. I <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, to his wife, you're welcome. Yeah. yeah. Like, it was more like, anyway. 
it was um, it was a bit odd. The people um, who don't get mental health would've been at that wedding going, fuck she talking about? Yeah, and I kind of did it because I was laughing about it in retrospect. Then I realised, oh, people don't get, most people don't get what intrusive thinking is and how I've that, never, that no. was really full on. It's actually really common. Um, well, I'm thinking I've got it. Do you get it? Do you get these repetitive? <laughs> they're like, I had a few other um, moments of it, but when I was about 14 or 15, I grew out of it. Yep. And I, it, it stopped. And I guess, you know, I probably, and that can happen for kids. Kids that develop that kind of OCD at that age, it tends to be, it's genetic, because it yep. comes from, I've got long family lines on yeah, my mother's yeah. side. It's also, comes from trauma. Okay. So I had the double whammies. That was, you know, it was only a matter of time. Wow. But it gives, did give me, it gives you like a superpower though. Like I think when I move past that, I have obsessional capacity to really do, like I, I have a... Well, you're uh, very driven. You're one of the most yeah. driven people I know. And you're, you're, you're fucking hilarious. There's no blowing smoke up your ass. You, you, you're a very funny person who I respect as a comedian and a person too, but you're very funny. You sort of, the shows that I've seen, you've never talked about your past stuff where you probably could easily. Uh, yeah, if I did a longer, more bio show, I probably would. But, yeah. you know, that's, um, I've got heaps <laughs> of stories. I've had a lot of, like, all my life dealing with, you know, familial stories of addiction and mental health issues. Yep. And, and then dealing with that kind of stuff, you know, in, in my own personal life. Yep. One of the hardest things, I think, and I can say this because my first partner talked about his story because he wrote a book, <clears throat> so he, he talked about it. But my, the father of my first two kids had a pretty serious heroin addiction. Right. So, well... I don't think there's pretty serious. That's the first, just serious. a weekend little flirtation. But no, it <laughs> just was, done it Fridays. You don't, you don't yeah, yeah. And so it had been one of those things on and off again. And he was well known because his brother was Michael Hutchins, and we were together oh. at the time when Michael died. Really? And so. Well, it's recent. Like, well, yeah, recent. No, What's that? 20, 20 years. 20 years? Yeah. But it was a. That created, I would say, one of the hardest moments where you're dealing with this absolute, like it went bonkers, yeah. bonkers, like it's fucking heroin, massive grief, um, uh, Michael's death, yeah. this family was fighting in the woman's day and this and, and, and yeah, his, it was so public, it was really public, yeah. his addiction went out of control, but I still had to turn up, like, and I was living, you doing comedy then? Yeah, all the way through. Oh, weird. Be dealing, and often you're dealing with all this stuff that was so complex and a lot of it in the public domain. Were the, where were you then? Still living in Byron. So you're in town. Okay, yeah. so you're in Byron. Did, did the public know that you were Michael Hutchinson's sister-in-law? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Did. It wasn't anything except it was, it was it, it clearly for my partner at the time, it magnified his addiction issues. Yeah made it much, like, like we were, it was like living hell. 100%. But you're still you trying to keep it together and you just kind of like just be falling in the car, get out. I didn't even have a car. What am I talking about the car? We were so broke. I walked everywhere. So you just did gigs around town then? You were just in Byron yeah, I didn't much. have a car. I was such a hippie. I didn't have a car till I was about 30. 
31. Wow. And then it was such a shit car. Yep. Only um, I had to get in through the passenger window windows because it was it, the, the doors were fucked. Yeah. It's so embarrassing. Like I had babies, so I had to put the babies wow. through, climb in. I was real skinny. Like, so, so I could just get in there. And you were doing like ten dollar gigs and yeah, things well, like that. Yeah, I was just doing so whatever. Did, well, how did you deal? This is what I want to know. Is how did you deal with? Okay, so you got all this stuff going on from from Nan and Pop, Mum and Dad, blah blah blah, and then you get into you, and then your husband's on heroin, and then Michael dies. How do you get up every day? How, how did you fight that yourself? Because you can't. That's got to affect you and your yeah. work, and, and becoming the person that you are now. Obviously, everything leads to where you are now. How did you get through? Honestly, I smoked a lot of weed. Okay. <laughs> yep. yep. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, Matt knows that. Look, he smoked not, breakfast. And I'm not saying I'm not saying that's the solution. I'm saying no. at that time, um, that was your coping mechanism. Yeah, I would get up. I would get up, roll a. I, might, I was so pumped on my adrenals because of the stress. I'd roll a joint, have a coffee. And I would yeah. have had two joints and ten cigarettes and fifty coffees. And I'd yeah. go, it's not even eight a.m. yet. <laughs> like, and I'd be like. Charge. Like, it's weird how you smoke a joint and then you kind of, like, keep having coffee. Like, I have so much coffee. So is this about the 80s, 90s? Uh, no, no, this is definitely the 90s. This is so been about 97, 98. So, and um, I was also painting. I actually found that's when I started um, painting. I, I sort of painted a lot then. I, I was sort of exhibiting a lot in Sydney. Yep. I became... I lived off my art mainly for over a decade. Yep. was having about, um, I don't know, maybe four or five... I've had massive sellout shows in Sydney. It was weird. Doing art. Yeah, and I realised that I think my mental health, I actually, I think my art was a big part of how I... An outlet? I made, and it was whimsical and strange and I'm not like any, not like anything that was around at the time. And I think that was how I worked it out. Eventually, I, um, I left that relationship and I found out I was pregnant um, I only had one child then, Zoe, and I found out I was pregnant. This is after it, it was just it was it, it was really hard to maintain a life. And I'm a buoyant person, but yeah. you know I thought I'm, I felt like my brain was going to crack. And then I found out I'm pregnant with the second daughter, and I went, yeah. oh well, I guess I can be a single mum with two kids. It'll be easier yeah. than managing in this situation. Yeah. And then I took myself to therapy. Yep. And it was like, that was funny, because I went, I'm broken. Yeah. Like, I need to really address the way I'm living, and I've got all these, all this baggage, and I can't take it on for my kids. So I ring up this, I get this therapist, right? And then I ring her up, and I find out my partner's got a new girlfriend. Oh. And after seeing this woman once, she, I went, this is great, she's good. And she rings, she goes, I didn't realise there's a conflict of interest. You know, your your ex-partner's new girlfriend is on um, her regular therapist as oh. well. So I can't see you. And then I go... <laughs> Fuck. This is what I say, because I'm a really nice... I go, Fuck you! How yeah, dare you! After all these years, I'm going, I'm waiting like an hell, blah, blah, blah. And I went nuts. And she rang back. She goes, I've run... She goes, look, I think you need to see me more. <laughs> <laughs> so she dropped the other bird. Yeah. And you know the weird thing That's is... Funny. I'm... I'm friends with all those people. Like, yep. I love, she's a, you know, her, she later on had a son with my yep. ex. I love him. He's a beautiful young man. So he's a good relationship. I've still got a really good yep. relationship with the first dad. Okay, good. With, yep. with him. Like, you know, I, I respect that he had a lot to go through with. He got his life together. But everyone gets a second chance, I guess. Well, you kind of, 
You know what? You can't. I can't. You can't. It would have been a waste of time. Energy. An energy yep. to stay angry. Yep. And you want to? I wanted to blame everyone, and I could have. Yep. I could have played a victim really easily. Yep. Um, and gone. You did this to me, and you because there was a horrible stuff happening to me. Yep. But nothing was going to change until I changed it. So I had to be in charge of that. So um, it, it was hard. You know, I went through some really. I had to. Like you that real dark night of the yeah. soul of facing who I was. Yeah, 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 yeah. You could have easily fallen in the trap. Oh, and and the trap. like you're saying, go, <laughs> go, go down that road, stop comedy, stop art. Yeah. Fuck the world. Here's me two kids. Fucking just live in your car with one window. Yeah. And just blame the, be a bitter woman. And, 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 and I'm not saying as a misogynist, we're a bitter woman. There's yeah. fuckwit men out there too who think the world owe them everything. Like, you could have easily went down that track, but you, you, you stood up and... You went and got help. It's probably the best well, message I, out of that. Yeah, I went and I knew I had to do it, and I knew. But my art, my painting, my my writing, and my what I do on stage—that that's part of my mental health. Yep. Yeah. Program, for sure. Sense. I don't mean it. I'm not. You know, but it, it is part of what keeps me buoyant. Yep. And so something I always did yep. was uh, I've been a creative since I was in preschool basically I've always made work I've always created something I've, I've, I've made art I've been engaged in projects I've written books I've, I've the, the big one for me is why you're doing this like yes. you just do it because it's, it's I wouldn't be doing this again blowing smoke up your ass. I wouldn't be doing There's this a lot of smoke up there yeah, right it is. <laughs> but I I wouldn't be Ooh. doing <laughs> I wouldn't be doing this if it wasn't for Manny Nolan because yeah. I oh that's nice no. well it's true because I was um Anxious, all that, all that stuff. My own story. But uh, someone approached me to come and do the Cancer Council fundraiser at Kingscliff, and I think I came in. I think you'd already had two sessions That's or right. something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think you'd already had two sessions with the group. Then I came in, and then I did um, stand up because I'd never thought. I, well, I had. I've always thought about doing comedy, but I thought, nah, I'm never going to do it. I'm a fucking idiot. I'm, you know, anxious and nervous and all this sort of stuff. So I got up and met you. Did the Kingscliff gig. I went for 15 minutes for the first time. Then I did Ocean Shores Country Club, then the Ballon RSL straight away with yeah. you. So I'm like, I got addicted. I'm like, holy shit. But you've done this for how many people have you done the Virgin Sacrifice for? Uh, all over, because I've travelled and run different programs. I've taught over 2,000 people. To do stand up comedy. Yeah. And, and 95% of those people are fucked, like yeah. depressed and anxious and yeah. needed that outlet. And you're the person that's, like We've you're got, saying. Yeah, it's mm. like a weird. Um, I've actually created programs where I've worked with people with mental health, um, various, um, it, we call that funny in the head. And I yeah. did that for Queensland Health and we did presentation. That was around, we create, it was around helping people create routines that were around addressing the stigma and the stereotypes yeah. around yeah. Um, mental health and how people, in, you know, how, what people happen to people in their lives. And that was a really, I've done a couple of those. They're really powerful. Um, but I actually do think, you know, you don't have to become a comedian to to get benefit from what it is to find your voice. No. And to find and and to find how to position yourself or or, or to talk about your issues and things in a way where you're almost outside of yourself. I think it you know, you show yourself some compassion, but you also give voice to things that might might not usually be spoken about. Yep. And I think that, you know, that's what I love doing. So that's um Ooh. That's why I sort of taught people, because... 
That could be good. <laughs> but you've, like, yeah, so you've, you've, like, there's not many comedians. I know most of the comedians on the North Coast now. And everyone says, like, how'd you get in the comedy? Every, everyone says, yeah, oh, no, I, did the, I did Manny Noah and the Virgin Sacrifice. Mm. And then, like, and most of them I met have got fucked up childhoods, head noise, all this sort of stuff. But, and they probably never would have made that leap for someone who's, like, and you've come through from the, from, from like your backstory all the way through, you found a reason to live. You, you're saying you're always busy and you're finding work. Well, you've created and you've given everyone an outlet. It's unreal. You've unleashed some terrible comedians who I've met. <laughs> um, well, I can't. But you've also yeah. unleashed some fucking good oh. ones. <laughs> well, it, 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 you know, it, you don't know when you're working with people. I love working with people because I love people's stories and yep. I love, you know, my greatest to survival. Technique, like okay, I've, I've been through some real adversity, you know, harder than most. Most people, I don't talk about it a lot, but it's no. really hard. But yeah. my key survival is that I, no matter what, <laughs> it goes a little bit in my mushroom, <laughs> but I was loved. I've been okay. so loved by I, it was a dysfunctional family, yep, but you but had love. I was really loved, you yep. know, and I have, and that makes a difference. Love makes a difference, and care makes a difference. So when you work with people, when I teach people, I'm not going in there like a real hippie hugging people all the time. No. But when you teach, when you work with people and you treat them with kindness and care and compassion, mm -hmm. it transforms people because it, it changes something in them about the how they speak to themselves. It truly does. And you only need one or two people in your life when you're in crisis to to be that person who who shines the light to show that you have value and that you're worth caring for it's it's a profound thing that we can do for other human beings and yeah. and i think i think it's really important so if i can give people the skills to um in various occasions to to believe in themselves or to stop beating themselves up or to know that their story is important. You know, it's not unique. None of our stories are unique. No. But they are meaningful and important and that we connect by sharing them however we share. That's amazing. I love doing it. And if it's funny, I'm less interested in funny anymore. Funny doesn't really... If it's funny, I love laughing. Yes. But I'm more interested in authenticity and connection. Just do something is the message, isn't yeah. it? So just, just if you... If you just buy a fucking skateboard. And, yeah. and, and like, you don't have to run out and do a comedy course or you don't have to do all this sort of stuff. But, yeah, I think I'm doing a thing at the moment, um, a course at the moment. It's through uh, Psych K is what it's called, and it's all about shifting your energy. And it's all about, yeah, you can either you can either stay here in the negative or you can push it in the positive, which, like, that's the message I'm getting from you. It's just basically ah. push through, find something you love, be loved, give love, um, get help. You don't hide behind it, and you're out. You're out in the obviously Can the I public eye. Yeah, we're just gonna. Okay, so. <laughs> so, Mandy, thank you very much for your story. Like, honestly, I didn't want to cook it. I wanted to keep talking because there's so much stuff I still wanted to ask and we might have to do a season two episode with you. Um, it was, your message was so, it was a powerful message for men and women, both, like just to get out and, and talk to people, get creative, use your brain, don't don't stay in the hole and don't woe is me is basically, what you've basically said without saying the actual line woe is me is like, fuck, lift up, find something to do. I've created a teriyaki burger here for you today. 
it's, it's my version. You meant to have a bit of pineapple on teriyaki, and but it's over, I don't like overcomplicated things. That well, I do overcomplicated. <laughs> I fucking over, over. Speaking of overcomplicated, Nana, I know you're watching. It's fine. My family's massive nationals family. Mandy is not here to convert me. I'm not. But she's trying. I am from Kingaroy though, so you're so, safe. So no. Nana, it's okay. All right. Yeah, it's all right. I'm so fucking terrified. I've lost so many family members over Have meeting you, you today. Oh, no. that's right. Right. They're sacrificing a pig today at Talgum. That's right. Because well, of this. As it's, it's kind of getting the karmic scale. Right, <laughs> He's it? like, the boys interviewing the Greens member. Fucking, let's yeah. kill a pig in the honour of that. Because <laughs> I'm the fallen soul. So, so this is a teriyaki oh, okay. beef. I'm going to cut it in half for you. Now, I do recommend... <laughs> you about it. Don't no. say, <laughs> That's my nana. Get her. Get her. Stab her. Stab her. So what we're going to do... I've seen Apocalypse Now, that last scene where they kill the, they kill the ox. Yes. Fucking amazing. They'll be doing that right about now at Tower. Yeah. All right. Okay, so stand up. This is, how you, this is how you eat a juicy burger. So this is the Australian way too. So you spread your feet. All right. Spread your feet out. God, it's like having a baby, okay? <laughs> Grab your burger. Yeah. Yep. All right. Lean over. That's called perfect oh my lean God, over. I've got so much here. I've got to get my hair back. <laughs> You're right. Okay. And take a whopping big bite of that. Oh, it's very good. unflattering, but it's perfect. Oh, that's really good. Is that good? Mmm. Really good. Yeah. You better eat that one. No, I can't. I'm actually gluten. I've only found out last week I'm gluten. I'm highly allergic to wheat. Isn't it funny? So am I, but I'm just eating this anyway. <laughs> well, it makes me swell. I'm sure one of the boys here will eat this. But, so, Soul Breads, uh, local Boring Bay, they're really our, we're getting our burgers from, and Juju's Cafe in Wollongbar is where I'm making it today. So, on behalf of B Buster's Burgers. It's really good, you cooked it all the way through too. Oh, not, yeah. That's, I'm impressed because I hate it when it's still pink. Yeah, you bit. can't, yeah. I'm it, a Queenslander, I like it burnt. Cook it proper. Yeah. Cook it till it's, yeah, cook it till it's dead. Well, thank you very much for coming on my show. I'm, I'm stoked, the, me the message is strong. The message for the whole show is, Grab a friend, have a talk, get it, get the message out there, have a feed, <laughs> spill teriyaki sauce over fucking right, everything. Get, get your hands dirty. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you, Manny. <laughs> Thank you. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.